Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Road to Juxtapi, where we take a road trip through the endless opinions and thoughts of this world. So grab your favorite drink or snack, and today's recommendation is going to be a good cocktail because it's hot outside. And buckle up because it's going to be one hell of a ride. I'm your host, Jude. I know it took long to upload this episode, and I also know that some of you have been waiting for the topic that we previously agreed on. But guess what? Life happens. Yay. March was full of doubt. It was called Doubtful March, if you will. And I still haven't resolved my doubts regarding everything. You know what it was like? I don't know if you all will get the example, but it's like deciding to tidy up your room, but ending up stuck in the middle of a deep cleaning and you're demotivated halfway because you're overwhelmed by the mess that this deep cleaning process created. There. So, today's juxtaposition is the spectrum of doubt and certainty. Since it was Doubtful March, it's only honorable to talk about doubt in this episode. So, doubt, to me, are like seeds of weed planted in your thoughts. That's what doubt is for me. I hate it because when you doubt something and when it's planted in there, it would never go until it sprouts and then you can take off that doubt because it's like weed, as we said. So I did my research and what I came up with is a whole world that I didn't know existed. So the origins of doubts are basically late Latin. It's previously called dubious or like it was pronounced dubious uh, to, to be like from the late Latin you dubious in a way <laughs> or Latin dubium. The definition is the feeling of uncertainty. So obviously the synonym of doubt is uncertainty, but in the same time, it is also defined as questioning the truth. Now, I don't think doubting is questioning the truth per se, because you can doubt something. Although maybe it is, yeah, because it's your truth. It doesn't have to be the truth. Your truth is something that you mostly believe in and you believe that this is the ultimatum and like the facts that you have in life. So it's your truth, whether it's wrong or right, that depends. So yeah, it is the questioning of the truth. Now I searched up how doubt is different in philosophy and psychology. And in philosophy, to the philosophical people, it actually is a window for further thinking and further exploration of this truth. While in psychology it is translated as or interpreted as lack of confidence or uncertainty about something or someone including the self. There are obviously two types of doubt. There is self-doubt and there is others doubt. Now self-doubt is I think much more dangerous than others doubt. In psychology, It is interpreted as lack of confidence because you start to question the truth of yourself and more as we said the lack of confidence so if you start to doubt yourself you're gonna you're gonna have um, no confidence and you're gonna have this weak character that we say if you're not certain of yourself then you cannot show the people that you're certain of yourself and thus you look weak in philosophy it is like a small window so you can furthermore explore the reasons and causes and maybe effects of a certain hypothesis or a theory that you have 
The reasonable levels of doubt is important for human thought and critical thinking. Skeptimism is a philosophical position which denies some epistemic conditions necessary to attain certainty of knowledge. Epistemic is basically something relating to knowledge and relating to its level of validation according to Merriam Webster's dictionary. Skepticism, doubtfulness, uncertainty, it all falls under the same umbrella, let's say. So before we continue into the research that I did, because it's very interesting on how the relationship between doubt, certainty, faith, even, they all are interconnected with each other. The reason why I started doubting myself is not because I'm doubting myself as a who is Jude, Although there was some kind of like, I don't know, two seconds. It was like, wait, hold up. Who am I? You know, there are going to be moments where you're going to ask yourself, wait, who am I? And you're just going to stop for like a couple of seconds to acknowledge and understand and just absorb, maybe embrace who you are. And it happened to me multiple times, which is more than I want, because when you doubt yourself, you start to overthink. And I'm not going to label myself as an overthinker because labeling yourself as an overthinker means you're going to be an overthinker for the rest of your life. And that's not what I want. Anyways, so as a person who thinks a lot, yeah, that's the way to put it. I didn't want to go deeper into that because it's like giving doubt what it wants for it, for you to further explore this seed of doubt, for you to further dive into what ifs. And if I dive deeper, I'd go mad and insane. And I don't want that because uncertainty is just, and, and the ambiguity, obviously, are just scary things that I just don't want to dive into. You know, when I started this month, listen, March was amazing until day two, and then it didn't. It was basically my birthday on the 18th and I turned 21 and listen, when you turn 21, I don't know, it just hits you like the middle crisis. I'm 21. It's not even a midlife crisis, but still I got it. Midlife crisis on the age of 21. I should put that in my records. Yeah. So I started to say, wait, I'm just, I'm going to graduate in June. Um, I, I did, still didn't find a job, an internship, any way to bring money to this household even though i don't need money to this house i need to just find a job to myself because i don't want to just sit at home and do nothing and be unemployed there's nothing wrong with being unemployed i think it's just i cannot sit free for hours and hours and hours with no purpose and i want to find my purpose and it's hard because you don't want to start an entrepreneur because you're not you know experienced but at the same time I want to be an entrepreneur because I want to be my own boss. It's just weird. So I started to doubt my even skills. Am I even good enough in recording, graphic designing, podcasting, whatever I do? That is exactly. See, I, I'm not even certain of what I do. So going down that road was basically accidentally dipping my toe into the lake of uncertainty. And now I'm just swimming in it. Yep. So going back to my doubt and certainty research, why doubt is better than certainty is a very good question because I thought that doubt is a bad thing. 
at first. And then when we saw the philosophical definition of doubt, which is basically it opens up an insight and a paradigm of thoughts, I was like, wait, what does that mean? And it says that doubt allows to know there is a chance that the odds are against one. William Lyon, someone, supports certainty as a factor of success. Because as we know, when a person wants to succeed, they manifest it and they believe it wholly that they're certain that this thing is going to succeed. On the other hand, Bernard, I think that's the name, Russell, another person, favors doubt because it creates comfort and prepares for uncertainty. Now, I basically don't agree with Bernard because I believe certainty creates comfort more than doubt. I would be more comfortable if I'm certain of my, for example, end of the month paycheck than a freelance who doesn't get a paycheck as regularly as a nine to five job. This is the certainty and kind of uncertainty and doubtfulness that comes in the job or workforce, you know, but to him favors, he favors the doubt because it creates comfort or, and prepares for uncertainty. Now doubt, yes, does prepares for uncertainty, but for favors doubt because it creates comfort is maybe depending on the field, because obviously when you doubt something and you give it less hope and less expectations it obviously gives you comfort that when it doesn't happen you're just yeah i doubted it so it didn't happen and it's fine but when you are certain of something that's gonna happen but it but then it suddenly doesn't happen this creates a whole avalanche of disappointment so i get where he comes from i guess and it also depends on the situation and circumstance so life generally depends on these things so anyways while certainty can make your actions more effective you must allow enough doubt in order to see other perspectives you know my mother always told me this uh sentence in arabic memorize the way back you know if you want to go all into something always plan an exit never go into something fully without having an exit plan and thus it's called um, <laughs> and also doubt is an inevitable constituent of human thought and belief system but only when it's combined with a certain level of certainty now at the beginning of this episode i was thinking that doubt and certainty are on a very opposite spectrums of each other doubt can be on the left and certainty can be on the right and we're just playing in this balance between the two but i realized that even if you stand in the middle that's not the optimum part between doubt and certainty because if you stand in the middle then the answer is i don't know do you like this you're doubting it you're not certain of it so it's not you're not like fully doubting it and you're not fully certain of it so the answer is i don't know you simply have no answer in the middle but if you stand at a certain ratio between the doubtfulness and certainty you would get your optimum result i came across the relationship between doubt and faith now as a very much faithful person i believe that i am i hope i am as much as i want to um I do not feel like I can doubt my faith. Now this comes in the part where whatever I know about my religion, it is what it is about my religion. I cannot doubt why, where, and when. But then I um, saw a post the other day where it says, it's fine to doubt your faith because there you can further explore and find the reasoning of whatever you have doubts about and thus this, this would either do two things it would e it would either strengthen your faith and belief or it would 
send you into another spiral of questions. And again, it would either do two things. It would either strengthen your faith and belief or send you in another spiral. So doubt can actually be something that just like how you tear down muscle while working out so it builds up again and it becomes stronger. It's in the same way. Doubt kind of breaks down your certainty of a thing but when you search into it more and question it more but then you find the answers to it and you become then fully convinced not because someone told you this is how it is but because you believe in it and because you know the reasons behind it so doubt is essential to the very definition of faith doubt only exists in context of certainty doubt isn't some sinful lapse and lapse is also known as failure uh, from unwavering faith now i thought when you doubt your faith then it's a sin uh, because I'm a Muslim, then th certain things in our religion is some things that you can't doubt. And when you doubt them, I feel like I'm a sinner. Why am I questioning this? Because this is supposed to be like something certain. I cannot even question it. Some things in our religion, yes, yes, that that's how it's it, how it is. But in other things, yes, I can question. I can look into scholars. I can go back to our holy book i can go back to our prophet's um lives and events and what he did peace be upon him and i can research it again and find the answers and be convinced again with that doubt and be certain of it and now i fully believe in it because i'm certain and because i found the answer behind my own research and it says again doubt isn't some sinful lapse from unwavering faith it's actually built into it a proposition or a theory you couldn't doubt wouldn't be a matter of faith this is Terry Francis Eagleton. Uh, he's an English uh, literary <laughs> theorist. <laughs> and he says, lastly, that doubt is an element of faith, which is very nice, actually. Because as we said before, that we thought that doubt is some kind of like a bulldozer to our faith and beliefs. But it actually, if you rebuilt it, it would become stronger than it was before. I stumbled upon the question of why do we doubt? And I thought about it for a second. I didn't find an answer because I was doubting the question itself. And the answer was, it's often because we don't want to make any room for mistakes. However, mistakes are also how we learn and grow. In a way, everything that we think is wrong, mistakes, sins, doubtfulness of something certain such as faith or beliefs or facts, when you question these things, when you go through the, the opposites, when you start to doubt them, they become stronger with these mistakes. They become stronger when you doubt something. It becomes stronger when you question it. If you go through the right research and you find the answers because you're now convinced. And when we go through the mistakes of something that we didn't want to go through, for example, you had an exam. I had many exams in my life, obviously. And every time I went through an exam and maybe didn't get the full mark or the grade that I wanted, my mom would say, okay, now look at these questions, look at the, the right answers, and now you know that you're not going to make the same mistake again. Why? Because you went through that mistake and you're not going to forget it. Usually when you get a full mark, you would not go through the questions again and see where you did wrong and where you did right. But if you did a mistake, you would go through your paper and be like, oh, this is where I did my mistake and this is something that I'm not going to forget again. And thus, you're not going to go through the same mistake if you are a proper person who doesn't repeat their mistakes. Um, I'm a person who's often known to repeat my mistakes, but now... Alhamdulillah, I have learned from them, mostly. 
not everything. Anyways, how can we reduce doubt? Is something that I wanted to know is like, how do we reduce stress? Because doubt creates stress and overthinking and it's a spiral that goes down. So it says practice being kind to yourself no matter the outcome. I don't know why, but it's natural in humans that we, for some reason, reject our emotions. Whether we feel sad, whether we feel depressed, doubtful, or just simply we don't want to feel that emotion. We just reject it as a whole. We say, no, I'm fine. I'm not feeling that or this. No, I'm fine. I'm not depressed. No, I'm fine. I'm pretty sure that this person, for example, loves me and I'm not doubting them. This level of rejection that you give to your emotions prevents you from living them fully so you can go past it and move on. And when you elongate this level of rejection, it's longer and it takes longer for you to move to reach the level where you accept them, live them, and then move on. So when we say that we have to practice being kind to ourselves no matter the outcome, I did give myself a whole month to live my doubts and I did try as much as possible to understand where these thoughts are coming from because I'm still young and I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life and it's understandable why I would go through the doubts and why I would maybe my brain suddenly just like haywires and be like oh my god we're graduating we don't know what to do and it suddenly realizes that after this semester, I'm not signing up for another semester and I'm not going through that same uni routine that I've been doing for the past four years. And I think it was particularly triggered from university emails. Thank you, uni, because now it's sending us emails on, you want to register for the summer? This is what you do. You want to register for this fall? This is what you do. And on our main group for our college, everyone is asking for courses, which one is better to take with the best professors and stuff. So I was like, wait, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not doing that for next semester. Even thinking about it now, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so yeah, obviously it created some certain, I know I have lived it before, but I'm living it again because it's still so surreal to me that I'm not doing anything certain for, for, the, for the next half of this year because I'm graduating in June and like June, July, August, September, October, November and December I have no plan for these next six months and it's burning my brains out so I should accept the fact that I'm living this doubt living this uncertainty that I'm swimming in right now fully and accept it because when you accept these emotions that you don't want to feel you will fully understand what you're going through and eventually try to find solutions or try to move on from these feelings maybe now that i've lived fully in my doubts and understood fully my uncertainty i would understand where are my weak points for example um i don't have a plan on what to do after maybe i should strengthen this skill so i could be accepted more in uh, other job applications or i could update my cv or you know when you live through these things you can find the weak points in your doubts and maybe strengthen them so you would plan better on the other part of our spectrum is certainty now certainty to me is comfort when you are certain of something you can never doubt it and it's just set in stone and it's your comfort it is where you jump back in and you feel the best at there are causes of certainty the desire of certainty is inborn which means it's since birth since birth means when you are born it's kind of like a preemptive in us that we 
need to look for certainty to find comfort. Example like knowing where your foot will land is satisfying when you walk. The more ambiguity, the more the brain's amygdala lights up. We have certain parts of our brains that just fires up when we are under a threat or ambiguity or uncertainty. Now, why is certainty important in our life? It affects how much risk we are willing to take in our life, jobs, investments, and relationships. So the higher level of certainty that we have, the less risk we are willing to take and the less risk that we are we can actually bear. So when you have been, for example, okay, certain your whole life, you have been living with a rich, with your rich family, you have been never questioned money or never questioned that for a second that you're gonna be poor or bankrupt or anything. And when suddenly this security that you've been living in falls, your family goes bankrupt. And now what? So you have this level of uncertainty and risks that you cannot emotionally bear because you've never lived through this kind of situation. You don't know what to do. You have never been through, you have never took a risk where maybe money can be a problem. So you had a plan B. So now you cannot even emotionally bear it and you cannot take the risk anymore. So this level of security and level of certainty is also dangerous when you live for too much of this life without thinking of taking risks, without thinking of uncertainties, you become less tolerant of risks and uncertainties. Another question that I came across was, does knowledge require certainty? And the first type of knowledge that came to my mind was medical knowledge, because in medicine, you have to be certain almost 100% of what you're prescribing to the patient or what you're analyzing the patient with because this is a matter of life and death. You can't be like, for example, I'm 50% certain that this is a flu, but this also could be cancer. You can't say that to a patient. It's not possible. So you have to be 100, almost, let's say, because there's always a certain percentage that you are not going to be sure of. Almost 100% sure of what you're diagnosing your patient with. But the answer was basically certainty is interesting in part due to its potential connection to knowledge and skepticism. Some arguments seem to show that knowledge requires absolute certainty. And I agree, the amount of knowledge that we have requires certainty. For example, imagine like if Einstein was not certain of his math equations, I'm pretty sure he was mad enough to not be certain of them, but if we took his equations, I think these are the same equations that people are making rockets and physics is basically built on his knowledge. If we weren't certain, the the rockets that we're sending out in space, the people who we're sending out to the moon would die just because we are not certain of this knowledge. I think when it comes to the matter of life and death, knowledge should be 100% certain of. We can't even question it. When you enter that surgery room and you are not certain if this patient, there is always, as, as I said, a percentage that, for example, this patient could make it or not because this is life, but you are not 100% certain of what you're going to do is another thing. Because you can plan and I can plan and God has his own plans. We don't know, but at least we make or we do with what we have. I don't think any hospital would send in a freshman in medical school to perform a surgery of a heart surgery, for example. You work with what you have. 
You have surgeons, so put your best surgeons to treat that patient. You did what you could by assigning that doctor to treat that patient, but maybe life happened and God has had his other plans and the patient died on the table. That's another story. But you worked with what you have. So certainty should come with knowledge when it comes to life and death situations, in my opinion. I came across a book that's called Risk Savvy, How to Make Good Decisions by Gerd Gigerenzer. He's a German psychologist. And the statement that caught my eye is basically the illusion of certainty. And I was like, we were talking about certainty that it's a factual thing and it's almost so tangible because it's in reality, you, when you're certain of something, you're just, you can touch it. That's how certain you, you should be of some things. And it's suddenly an illusion. It's like you want to touch a table and it turns into bubbles. How, how, why, how's that? So in his book, he says, if we knew everything about the future with certainty, our lives would be drained of emotion. No surprise and pleasure, no joy or thrill. We knew it all along. The first kiss, the first proposal, the birth of a healthy child would be about as exciting as last year's weather report. If our world ever turned certain, life would be mind-numbingly dull. And honestly, as much as we people would always look for ways to know what the future holds, from fortune tellers, tarot cards, maybe some algorithms. In his book, Gigerenzer argues that the relations between science, algorithms, and chance, such as the uncertain parts of life, are both put in the same level of credibility. People naturally need their security blanket of certainty, and they try to plan ahead of time despite knowing there is a good seam allowance of chance, in other words, life, you know? And I don't know the percentage of people who would answer yes to a question that says, would you want to know the future? I would certainly say it's a 50-50% chance. Half of the people would want to know, half of the other people wouldn't want to know. But the people who want to know, it's kind of hypocritical because you go to, for example, fortune tellers and tarot cards and people who basically will foresee your future and predict your reality and stuff like that, you know? And then you go because you're gonna make fun of it because you know, it's, it's just for fun. And then when they tell you something that you're almost sure it can happen in your life, you start questioning it. When they tell you on the day of your turn 49, you're gonna die. You're gonna dismiss that at first, but when the day comes, you become skeptic and you doubt it and you feel like, am I gonna die on the 49th, you know? You think about it properly because you almost believe that there is some sort of truth in that horoscope that she did. Is it a horoscope? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> so people would ultimately tell you that, yes, I wanna know the future and what happens. But as Gigeranzer said, it would become mind-numbingly dull. You wouldn't feel the excitement of the surprise, of the unknown, of the ambiguity of not knowing what's gonna happen. And when he said that there is an illusion of certainty, and I read more into what he said in his book, he basically says that in this world, even certainty can be sold. Even certainty, the idea of certainty can be sold. I was mind blown. Because how can you buy and sell some things not tangible and it's an idea? And it turns out that in this economy, um, 
you can sell the idea to the people where you say, for example, with the right technology, you can predict your future. With algorithms, how do you think algorithms work? They almost predict the way that you act. They almost predict your future. They almost, even if it's not the future of what's going to happen, they can predict your actions. And in some way, this is your future. Your actions are your future. Whether you go right instead of left, whether you go straight instead of backwards, this is all the future. It's actions, true, but it's still... Every action you take is a second invested more into your future. He says, and I quote, At the same time, a psychological need is not entirely to blame for the illusion of certainty. Manufacturers of certainty play a crucial role in cultivating the illusion. They delude us into thinking that our future is predictable as long as the right technology is at hand. And in another quote, he says, To be sure, illusions have their function. Small children often need security blankets to soothe their fears. Yet for the mature adult, a high need for certainty can be a dangerous thing. It prevents us from learning to face the uncertainty pervading our lives. As hard as we try, we cannot make our lives risk-free the way that we make our milk fat-free. To wrap this whole thing up, would I want to know what happens in the future since I went through doubtful march? I would say yes, if there is a chance that the men in black would just basically tell me look into this stick and flash it off and I would forget everything. I would want to know it as long as I'm going to forget about it. Because I am a very curious person and thus I would want to know the future, but then I want to live the excitement of living that future and thus I want to forget about it. So if there is a condition that I can forget what happens after I know it, then yes. If there is no condition that I can forget what I know about future then no i would not want to know even though i'm eating myself up to know what's gonna happen and you know it reached to a point where i used to write letters to myself when i was 15 to my 17 and 20 year old me in a way that this is how i'm gonna know the future like when i turn 20 i'm gonna see how now i know the future (laughs) that my 15 year old self didn't know in a way just kind of satisfied that need to know what's gonna happen how did I deal with the doubt? Um, I didn't. I'm still living it. But as I said before, the way that I'm dealing with it is I fully let myself live it and not deny my, my right to live that emotion. Because if I keep rejecting it and suppressing it, eventually it will become an avalanche and it will blow up in my face and we don't want that. So as long as I'm giving myself the time to live my uncertainties, to live my doubts, giving myself space to live the anxiety even though anxiety is not good i give myself a chance to understand where these thoughts are coming from so i can know how to deal with them because if you don't hear your problems you're not going to understand how to solve them what is the right ratio of certainty and doubt listen in sewing you always leave something called a seam allowance and it's an extra space you add around the edge of a piece so that it can be sewn together because no matter how certain of your design or sewing skills uncertainty happens so even if you have this foolproof plan you know listen look at what happened to titanic they called it titanic because it's like the unsinkable ship and look what happened it sank why because they didn't do the right thing in which they put enough lifeboats they didn't put a, put enough life jackets and so because they were so certain that this ship would not sink they did not take the right precautions into 
having a plan B of okay what if it sank the doubt of what if they didn't fully take it into uh, consideration and they didn't prepare for it and thus it sank and not all of the people that were on it survived and there were many controversial about it because some people rich people survived while the poor just stayed on the ship and watched it sink so now what basically after going through this month and it's you know the 30th and one two three it's supposed to be tw- 31st yeah tomorrow is gonna be the last day of march i think it's the clock is gonna tick and i'm procrastinating many things because i'm doubting right now and i think i have to get my life back on track but yeah live your doubt people it's fine it's not a bad emotion you're not gonna kill your certainties and beliefs if you doubt yourself every once in a while because it's a natural emotion people you see on social media who are very confident in themselves are the most people who doubt themselves and what they're doing in their life content creators life is hard so yeah live your doubts because this is the way that you're gonna know your problems and this is the way that you're gonna find your solutions that is a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Road to Juxtapy. You can always listen to us on Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and recently on Deezer. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, r2jxtp, that is r number two, jxtp underscore podcast. Also, please tell us how do you deal with your doubts and what did you think of today's episode? And I also hope that you have a wonderful day, evening, or whenever you're listening to this episode. And goodbye!